chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at a time such as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and, and, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, this morning we await a word from you. I ask that you use my words or speak in spite of my words. But God, speak your words of life and of calm and courage to each of us. And may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the book of Esther is one of those books in the Bible um, that really would make a great melodrama. It has all the makings. I invite you to spend some time maybe this afternoon or this week to read the whole book of Esther uh, because it's really quite the story. It has two heroes. It has the perfect villain. Um, there is all kinds of action. And so I want to give you just a brief synopsis of what is going on in the story so that we can get to uh, the for the t- such a time as this, the part of it that I really want to concentrate on. Um, in the book of Esther, it opens, and the Jews are in exile. Um, they are in the Persian Empire, and they have been all taken into exile. And it, and it concentrates on the story of Mordecai, the uncle of Esther. You see, Esther lost her parents and was an orphan. Her uncle Mordecai raised her up. There came a time when the king of uh, Persia called together um, his queen and asked her to dance for all his people, and his queen refused. Um, it's quite the story as well. He, the king tossed her out of his presence, uh, but then he decided he needed to go and find a new queen. So he sent out his messengers all around uh, the land, and they rounded up a lot of young women, and of those young women... Esther, the young Jewish girl, was one of those women. And she was made uh, ready, and she found favor with the king, and she ultimately becomes the queen uh, in this story. Now, at the same time that this is going on, her uncle Mordecai is sort of hanging around the gates of, uh, of, the, of the palace, and he finds out um, that, that, that um, 
Naaman, there you go, I knew I would come up with this, Naaman was plotting against the Jews. So he hears um, Haman plotting against the Jews, and he tells this story to Esther. Now, even before this has happened, he had also heard some other things around the, the edges in the courts, and that was a plot on the king's life. He had sent word to the king um, that there was a plot against his life, and so that was stopped, and the king promptly forgot all about it. And, and so the story goes where Mordecai comes and tells Esther what she needs to do, the part that Leanne read. Um, you'll have to read the rest of the story. She does, in fact, save uh, the Jews um, and does rise to the occasion. It is really a fascinating story. The Jews, even today, celebrate the Feast of Purim, um, which is, comes from this story in the book of Esther. But what I want us to look at um, has to do with this particular moment in her time where she is called on to do the really hard uh, and I think about the way I want us to look at that, it has to do with the serenity prayer. I know I've brought that up to you at other times where we ask for God to grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to, accept the, to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And you'll see how that gets played out in this story because, you see, there is much about Esther's life and her situation that she has no control over. She had no control over the fact that her people were taken to a foreign land and forced to live there as exiles. She had no choice about both of her parents dying and being raised as an orphan. She had no choice about her uncle Mordecai adopting her she had no choice when the king's men went around the empire and rounded up a group of young women um, in order to place them in the king's harem. One would become queen, but all the rest of them would just stay in his harem. And she had no choice about any of those things. But there were some things that she did have choices about, and she made good choices she gained the favor of the man who was in charge of the harem. And when it was her turn to go into the king, she listened to his advice. She found favor with the king, and she indeed became his queen. She had the choice not to reveal that she was Jewish. Her uncle Mordecai had given her that advice, and she listened to him. But now comes the moment of truth. Would she risk everything to tell the king about the treachery of Haman, who's now ordered the extermination of all the Jews in all of the land? And could she step up to save the Jews from extermination? We'd see in this story how it is that she managed to stay calm and courageous even in this pivotal moment. She depended on her community of faith. She told her uncle Mordecai to tell all the Jews to fast for three days in solidarity with her and that she would be doing the same. You see, in the book of Esther, it's, one of the, it's the book of the Bible where God's name is never even mentioned, and yet it's so clear that God has a hand in what is going on here. Um, 
She stayed calm and courageous because she made a plan. And then she followed through with her plan. And then she stepped back and trusted God with the outcome. She stayed calm and courageous, I think, too, because she believed that, in fact, maybe she had this moment of power for such a time as this. It makes me think of Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He had no control over that. He was thrown into prison once he got to Egypt for a crime he didn't commit. He had no choice about that. He had little control over so many events in his life, and yet he ended up as the prime uh, minister of Egypt and was in a position to save his brothers and their families and his father from famine and death. And when Joseph, you recall, when he met up with his brothers, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so when we think of this story of Esther and you look back on the story of Joseph, the the question that comes up for me to ask you is, how is it that your past perfectly suits you to face whatever is in front of you right now? How are you suited because of events that some you had no control over, some choices that you have made, How has all of that defined you for such a time as this? The pain, the growth, the the development, maybe the opportunities that you've had, your specific education, your family history, your, your natural gifts, your talents, illnesses that you've gone through, struggles that you have had in your life, some things that you have had control over, some things you have not had control over, how have they made you uniquely ready for such a time as this in your life? You see, we are all uniquely made. We all have unique life experiences to extend God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are all uniquely qualified to reach one or another, a person or a group, to understand someone else's pain, to be able to grasp someone else's dream. And you can choose to do right, to bring hope, to stand on the side of justice and mercy and the love of God. You know, there was a term that was a derogatory term. I I think maybe it's still used. I heard it more a couple of years ago or so. And it's the term snowflake, to call someone a snowflake. It's kind of come about in the last four years, this derogatory term that means, I think, that, that someone believes that they are so unique and special, like a snowflake, um, that it leaves them too delicate, like a snowflake, uh, and, and it makes them quick to take offense and less resilient than previous generations. It's often directed at people that are younger than the person who's using that. But you know, I really like 
part of that term. I like the term snowflake. I like the unique part of that because we all do bring our unique selves. Not that it would make us less resilient or weak, but, but in a way that helps us to own our uniqueness as a child of God to make a difference in God's world where we can. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we read that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When we're in Christ, we are healed from our destructive past. But friends, those healed scars, they make us who we are. And they become a part of our story. You see, as I I think about the serenity prayer and the serenity to accept those things that we can't change and the courage to change the things that we can, it makes me remember that we can be a prisoner of our past or we can allow our life experiences to open our eyes to the opportunities for good in such a time as this. We can always choose to do the next right thing, like Joshua, like Esther. I look back in my life and look at the opportunities that I've had and, the, and some of the things that, that happened to me and that, that I didn't have choices over and some that I did have choices and how they've made me who I am today. When I was nine, my parents divorced. I didn't have choice about that or where I lived immediately after that. But then I went into nursing um, and got a degree in nursing and worked as a psychiatric nurse for a number of years and then owned my own business. Those things helped prepare me for a life of ministry when I look back on those. Uh, I think back, I had back surgery back in 2003, and so I have 26 screws and two metal rods down my back, and those have made me who I am when I think about being able to respond to others who may be going through those kind of hard surgeries. My children on Mother's Day, um, they have helped form me in so many ways into who I am today. For better, for worse, um, they have helped form me Okay, it's all for better. It's Mother's Day, right? It's a Hallmark Day. But they have helped me be who I am today. But friends, our past does help us to be uniquely qualified to do the next right thing. We remember as Christians that God is never the crafter of evil. But we know that not even evil can stop the good and the forward movement of God. In Romans 8, 28, Paul reminds us that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And that's not some sort of Pollyanna, rose-colored glasses, altered reality kind of a good. This is a good that chooses to work on behalf of others, the good that works for peace and justice and advances God's love and care for all God's children 
and all God's earth. It's the good that can cry with those who are crying and rejoices with those who rejoice. It's the good that proclaims the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because we've personally experienced his presence in our life. It's a good that recognizes an opportunity to act on behalf of others for just such a time as this. And so I invite you this week to let the serenity prayer be your prayer and my prayer. That God would grant us the serenity to accept those things that we cannot change those things maybe that have given us scars, those situations that we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and those are our life choices. And the wisdom, the wisdom to know the difference. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, Lord, we give you thanks that you have called each of us uniquely, even as you called Esther even as you called Joseph, for such a time as this. May we have the eyes to see those persons, those situations that you place before us that we have the ability to impact for the good. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Christ's name, amen.